Hello and welcome to the podcast, Coffee and Books. I'm your host, Scott. Welcome again on this lovely day. I hope all of you are doing well. Uh, if you're new here, my name is Scott. I like to review different books and podcasts it out there for the whole world to see. Um, if you want to know more, of course, you can feel free to email me at scott, S-C-O-T-T, Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N, 16, yahoo.com. I'd love to hear from you. And whatever books you want to read that are out there, I would love to know them. Uh, but today's book is a very good book. Uh, it's called The Future of Humanity, Terraforming Mars, Interstellar Travel, Immortality, and Our Destiny Beyond Earth. It's by Michio Kaku. Okay, so for those of you who don't know me, I love science fiction. I do love, you know, history and space and physics and science and, well, pretty much everything. I like every topic out there, pretty much except high-level forms of math. <laughs> That's just me, though. And that's where this book kind of comes into play. It's really interesting. This book is about where this author, Michio Kaku, thinks the future of humanity is going to go. And he lays a really good outline of it. The problem is is that it's so difficult to navigate. Not because the author does a bad job or anything, but because there's just so many unknowns in the uh, present universe. Um, I am sort of like a pessimist slash optimist when it comes to the future of humanity. My personal opinion is that mankind will have to evolve, otherwise it faces extinction. Most likely, it faces extinction because we cannot cooperate together on a level to solve all the world's problems. If we were able to unify in a singular moment and are able to have what I call humanity, we might be able to actually solve all the world's pressing problems right now, such as global warming. Uh, However, that has not been the case, and as a result, uh, we're sort of in this divided world that we kind of live in right now, where you live in a place where there's different countries, and, you know, therefore people have more national pride, or you, in other words, you think of yourself as mostly important to that government, not necessarily as a human, which, you know, I think you should take the more humanist approach. But that's just me. All right, so let's go with uh, Michio Kaku's definitions about the future of humanity. So in this book, the author talks about different stages of civilization, how he thinks that the future is going to go. Um, There's a lot of interesting concepts that I was not aware of. Uh, You know, obviously I've heard of some of these before, exploring black holes, for instance, slash wormholes. Uh, and, you know, using that as a way to transport to other universes. Uh, another example would be using the Dyson sphere, a sphere that is enclosed around the sun in order to harness its energy and use it to advance your civilization as endless energy, um, at least until that sun dies. Uh, also, there's other forms of energy out there, such as dark matter, dark gravity, and other such topics that are covered in this book. So where does the author think that, you know, we're going to go? What did I particularly learn? Well, one of my favorites is the space elevator. See, one of the topics that are talked about in this book is that, you know, the cost to explore space is extremely massive, and that's NASA's biggest problem is funding. Obviously, nobody wants to put in trillions of dollars into some type of program only to have it fail. So there has to be an easier way of making it more efficient to go and into space and explore traveling. And one of my favorite ideas so far was what's called the space elevator. You see, if you're able to use an elevator to get the supplies into space, it becomes infinitely cheaper to manufacture space, you know, projects. You know, the idea is behind it is if there's an elevator, which you can get to the International Space Station, then you could potentially build ships in space and therefore 
have robots designed to do that, then you would be able to go and explore space a lot easier. You know, the cost would be a lot lower. This is just one example among many an author uses uh, in order to elaborate on what would be a good idea. I mean, there's also all different types of ideas in this book that are talked about. Um, one example might be how we view humanity. Uh, the string theory is talked about. Another example that I like to give is what would happen if man or humans meet aliens. Um, another possibility, of course, is why we're alone in the universe or why we may not be alone in the universe. Those ideas are also talked about. I also like how philosophy, religion is talked about in this book and how science and everything kind of touches on one another and how they're all sort of related. Um, you know, for example, uh, the discovery, I believe, of uh, the, I think it was one of Einstein's theories of uh, the universe was uh, initially elaborated on by a priest, uh, you know, someone who wanted to prove God's existence. So that I thought was very interesting as well. And that how uh, different topics such as Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, you know, Christianity, Judeo-Christian beliefs, how they all kind of intersect and kind of help believe and support the universe as well as science. So, in other words, if you're religious, you know, this book might help you confirm your religion. And if you're an atheist or someone who doesn't believe necessarily in God and believes in pure science, in fact, this book could also be for you too. So, again, that's pretty cool aspect of the book is how it kind of is the answer to sort of everything you want it to be. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite topics in the book, of course, is the stages of civilization. So I'm not going to elaborate it on it too much, but I will say there are five stages of civilization. Zero is kind of the civilization where we're at now, which is a primitive sort of uh, species or intelligent life that is able to maybe necessarily move around and you know use science, but they're not advanced enough for space travel, kind of where we're at right now. Uh, you know, we might have all the different scientific foundings to eventually get there, but we're not there yet. You know, maybe we're only in one planet, you know, like there's so much of the universe we haven't explored yet. The ideas are just, you know, we're full of hope and possibilities because we're just a young, you know, group of people, for instance. Uh, then you go to uh, stage one of a civilization. And stage one is where, you know, you're starting to be able to explore other uh, planets. So that would be going to Mars. That would be going to landing on different moons in our, you know, in our planetary solar system. You know, that would be able to going to Jupiter's moons. That would be just as long and short of it. You know, maybe we have the ability to travel in space and go to other planets, but we haven't developed, you know, like light speed travel yet or anything. Um, in stage three, it becomes more about being a colony in amongst your nearby galaxy. So for us, that would be the Milky Way galaxy. We would be able to go to other planets. We'd be able to maybe explore uh, different types of phenomenons that are observing in our universe. Maybe we have light speed travel. Uh, there's different aspects there of travel, how we would be able to get around that the author covers in great detail, which I'm not going to sidestep that here. Um, but basically, uh, stage three is the universe. And then, of course, the last one, which is stage four, you know, so we're going from zero to four here. Four is the latest one, which is the ability to go and conquer said, you know, entire universe. The ability to travel anywhere, to manipulate maybe space and time and be able to survive the destruction of the universe. 
Um, all of that would be what a stage four uh, civilization would be. And the author doesn't, you know, think that this was a possibility at first, but then after a young boy talks to him, he gets the idea that maybe this boy is right, and that there is such a thing as that. So all those ideas are really fascinating. Uh, so let's talk about some of the things that interest me in this book, besides all that. Um, one, the event horizon. Black holes have always interested me. Um, if you're not familiar, there's a planet called Planet X, which is uh, kind of like a mysterious type of event that is happening in our universe, if you're interested in looking it up. Um, so it was first sort of discovered when it was found that Uranus's orbit was being affected, or, uh, yeah, I believe it was Uranus. And when that was happening, it was discovered that there was some sort of planet that was doing this. And Pluto was initially thought to have been that planet that was affecting it. However, Pluto is really small and doesn't affect the gravity as well as it was supposed to. So then it became theorized that this planet X, which was originally, like I said, thought to be Pluto, was supposed to be something else. It was supposed to be something further down the line. Uh, which eventually led us to discover the Coupier Belt, where there's these massive asteroids, a second asteroid belt, if you will. Um, there's different types of um, items back there, and one of them that we have not been able to pinpoint is pulling said planets towards it. And so the idea is that maybe this is a black hole, maybe this is something that's a giant you know, planet that we just don't know about, that we can't see, but just the idea that something like that exists is pretty cool. So anyway, just a random side note about all that there. Uh, so why do I find that interesting? Well, the idea of the event horizon, something that I was just talking about, is that we have no, absolutely no idea what would happen, you know, if a item or, you know, said thing is, you know, to encounter a black hole. We know that the gravity, you know, is pulled stronger and stronger. And the item eventually enters what is called spaghettification, or when the item is stretched into the limit of when it meets, I guess you could say, the time between, uh, you know, what's happening and when, you know, time is stopped. And, or at least that's how it would seem to us. And eventually this item would be destroyed and crushed into a pressure and the individual, you know, atoms and everything would be broken down into complete nothingness. But nobody's entirely sure what would happen, and I have this theory that eventually a black hole would suck up all this, you know, sort of matter and this material and eventually explode into a, uh, you know, a big, a big bang of its own. You know, this is the idea of the big crunch, you know, that black holes essentially suck up all the matter of the universe and eventually it becomes to the point where it would explode and start over again and a new big bang would come into existence do i think that is what's happening right now i don't think so but it's still a cool idea to think about um, so and the author goes on to speculate of course about uh, different ways in which the uh, universe itself would be destroyed um so some people think that the universe is going to be destroyed by fire. Some think it's going to be destroyed by ice. And of course, the latest theory is that it's ripping apart. So let's talk about all those. So fire. Um, how is it be destroyed by fire? Well, basically, our universe is, you know, increasingly expanding. But there's the idea also that one day, perhaps, that the universe could reverse in on itself, like I said, and create the big crunch. Um, for example, our Milky Way galaxy is headed towards a collision with the Andromeda galaxy, 
if this is the case, then, you know, eventually those, you know, galaxies will absorb into one another and crash and, you know, destroy both, you know, galaxies as they know it. And, uh, you know, the Milky Way is a lot smaller compared to the Andromeda galaxy. So there's a lot that could happen there. You know, of course, they're hurtling towards each other at a very quickly quick pace, but this is something that won't happen for a very, very, very long time, of course. Um, but anyway, that was one idea by fire, that eventually, um, you know, the galaxies will all collapse in together onto each other, and eventually they will explode and create a new Big Bang. So that's uh, destruction method number one. Big, the Big Freeze, or number two destruction, is that the idea behind it is that eventually the galaxies and everything that we see that is known will eventually keep going further and further apart. Um, at a, a quickening pace, and eventually those stars, those galaxies that we see in the night sky, they'll eventually be too far away for anyone to ever reach, and that the light from them will never reach us, and that eventually the Earth and other such planets, the stars, eventually will burn out, and that there will be nothing, and then everything, you know, planets, etc., will eventually freeze over and eventually just, you know, die. And that's the idea is that eventually if during the brig freeze is that everything will reach sub-zero temperatures and that they will just keep expanding forever, but it'll be so far apart, nothing will happen. And then lastly, the latest theory, which is based on string theory, is the idea of a universe ripping itself apart. So it's kind of similar to the big freeze, but the idea is that it's happening faster and faster at a quickening pace. And instead of the big freeze, it would be the equivalent of what is called, uh, you know, dark, dark gravity um, collapsing on itself. The idea is that space, you know, or our idea of space is actually holding the universe together by this idea, which is called dark gravity. So our ideas, conceptions, if you will, of galaxies expanding are happening so fast and hurtling through space so fast that they should, by normal laws of physics and gravity, should be being torn apart. But something is holding that in place. And so the idea behind it, which hasn't been observed yet in science, is dark gravity. Or it would be like an aurora or, you know, a thing in place that is holding a galaxy in its correct position. In other words, a ring or aura surrounding the galaxy is what's making it a circular shape or spiral shape, and that is what's keeping it sort of together, at least in the short term of things. The idea, though, is that eventually these would eventually collapse and fade out, mainly because we don't know anything about them, and that everything would just kind of just rip itself apart. So just three crazy ideas there. What could potentially happen to the universe? But one thing I like about the idea of string theory is the idea of the multiverse, which, again, we're getting into really complicated stuff here, people, so just bear with me. The idea is um, in string theory is that there's more than one dimension. So what if it was possible if we had, say, a wormhole? Would that lead to necessarily a different part of the galaxy, or could it potentially lead into another universe? And the idea is that it could potentially lead into another dimension or another plane of existence that we don't even know about. So what if like eventually one day man were to go and enter a wormhole and we were to use string theory to go into a similar um, universe? And there, the idea basically out there is that there's an infinite number of multiverses or universes similar 
to how we view things, and that some of those universes collapse and, you know, destroy themselves, and some of them, like ours, just happen to be the right conditions to create life. So there's this idea out there that we're not special, we're not unique, and then there's also the idea that we are very special because look at all the things that had to happen to get us here. And that's what makes the universe so fascinating, is that the answer is kind of both. Uh, we know we're special in the sense of like, yes, we're one of many, 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 many types of you know planets that exist that can support life, that have the correct conditions, that do support it, and you know we're just in that right phase where we're you know existing right now. Um, but you know, of course, there's the possibility that there is other life forms out there in the universe, and that they just don't want to contact us because maybe we seem primitive to them. Or maybe they just have no interest in interfering with us. Similar to the prime directive in Star Trek, which is that no advanced civilization should interfere with the civilization of one uh, you know, that is more primitive than its own. And so I like this idea. Um, and I just wonder if other galaxies, other universes have ever came across that. And like I said, all these topics, all these things that I'm talking about are found in this book. So there's just so much here to digest. Um, now, I gave the book a 3 out of 5, and this is my reasoning behind it. Uh, so, I really enjoyed the book, I did, um, but I felt like it was unrealistic. You know, the idea of using science fiction sort of as a basis for what could potentially happen in the future, to me, is sort of ridiculous. We don't know what's going to happen, and the further we look out in humanity, the harder it is to sort of predict what's going to happen. And I just don't think that the author takes into serious consideration that what's more likely to happen is that humanity would destroy itself rather than expand in the next hundred years or so. Um, I'm hoping, though, that humanity does find a way to make it through and that there is a way to explore and colonize other planets. You know, there's the idea, of course, that if we were able to eventually you know, look for other resources and other materials in the galaxy that maybe we could potentially explore and colonize other planets. And if we're able to work together to do this, then maybe it's a possibility one day that humanity can cheat death itself and that we can, you know, evolve or exist on a different level that we haven't achieved before. So while the author is very hopeful in solving all the world's problems, I myself do not necessarily agree with it. But I do appreciate the you know optimism that the author has for humanity, in which he thinks that in the next hundred years or so, you know humanity will face its ultimate you know test, which is can we work together or can we, uh, you know, solve all of the world's problems and manage to go into space? And you know the theory is is that if we're able to colonize or go to Mars, that's the very first step. All right, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope all of you enjoyed it. Remember, again, if you like any of the things I'm talking about, please remember to check them out. Um, you know, this book is, you know, again, Michio Kaku's The Future of Humanity, Terraforming Mars, and Interstellar Travel, Immortality, and Our Destiny Beyond Earth. Great topics. Very, very, very big topics that are hard to elaborate in this short podcast. But I hope all of you enjoyed it, and I hope that you continue to listen and support this podcast. Uh, please remember, I have a Patreon account, a WordPress blog, a YouTube channel. Um, you can find me, of course, at my email, which I mentioned, and uh, I'd love to hear from you guys in the future. Thanks again for listening.